Good morrow, Chicago. Good morrow, world. We are Midsummer Flight, and this is Summercast. Hey, Margaret. Hey. <laughs> We're sitting here today in Margaret's luscious basement. My basement! <laughs> you just get to, like, like experience so much of my house recording this podcast. <laughs> I have, my yeah. My childhood home, I should say. This is, I do not, I cannot afford a place that has a basement. Thank you. <laughs> it's a lovely place, though. It's right, a nice my finished house. basement. We are soaking into this big blue couch. We just yes. enjoyed some smiley-faced cookies from, from Dinkles. Dinkles. Which is, like, childhood favorite. Next <laughs> time you go, apricot danishes. Whew. Apricot danishes. And the chocolate donuts. Those are my two go-tos. <laughs> yes. That sounds really good. I actually, smiley face cookies are kind of my kryptonite. Really? Yeah, I eat them wherever I can find Seriously? them. Seriously? Absolutely. Yeah, I love them. I love them. Um, I don't know why specifically. Yeah, that's so interesting. But I think it's like it's like a childhood thing. No, for sure. We used to get these all the time when I was little, actually. Because Dinkles yeah. has been around. It's like one of the few things in my neighborhood that haven't changed over the last 20 years. Oh, no, um, I love that place. But it's the bomb. Yeah. Yeah, there was a, re- uh, not a restaurant, a bakery near the where I grew up. Yeah. Um, that I used to get them all the time. All the time. But um, that bakery is now dead. <laughs> and is now, I That's think, like what's really a barbecue sad. joint. Like, I feel like the bakery world got really trendy. Like the donuts and yeah. um, like cronuts, all that jazz. Right. And so all these places bought, like popped up around town, which are great. Like I love Stan's Donuts and all that sure, jazz. Sure, sure. But like there's like Dinkles is an old-fashioned bakery. They don't and have they, the old-fashioned sort no. of feel... Yeah, it's all very right. like... Like Swedish Bakery over in Edgewater closed, and that was yeah, really sad. Yeah, and I don't know. There's just a lot of places that You are... get those, like, hipster bakeries? Yeah. Which are fine. Yeah, and I'm, like, not going to turn down a donut from one of those places. I've like, never said no to a yeah, donut. So, yeah, so, like, yeah. Um, this is the Donut Podcast. <laughs> Actually, you know, this is uh, um, our interview that we have coming up with Christina McCluskey. Yes. We um, talked about food for a while. Oh, So really? this is just um, a preamble to Perfect. what is to come. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we're talking about her upcoming project with um, Unbound Theater Company. Um, they're producing a production of Richard III. It's going to be a staged reading at the uh, Galway Arms um, in collaboration with our very own company, Midsummer Flight. Yes, and um, it's going to be on April 23rd and April 30th at 7 p.m. Right. It's free. It's free. But donations are gratefully accepted. Absolutely. And it's going to be Galway Arms, uh, Lincoln Park. Have you ever been there? I think so. I'm looking at the address right now. It's on Clark. So yes. there's, there's there's a Galway something on Diversity that my friends go to often. And it's okay. like in, you go down the stairs. It's kind of like the basement of this apartment no, building. No, no, not that place. But then yeah. there's, yeah, Galway Arms is the bigger one mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Clark Street. Yes. Uh, right by that, like, there's a Five Guys over there. Yes. yes. That's what I was going to say. It's right by Fullerton. Yes, I think absolutely. it's just 
north of Fullerton, actually. Yeah, it's a cute place. It's very like a London pubby sort of feel. We talk oh, more perfect. about it a little later, but yeah, uh, we used to go there after uh, Twelfth Night all the time. Oh, really? Just to, like hang out. And have oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah I was just, like putting the two and two together. Yeah, because it's right by the conservatory too. Right. Yeah. Right. So we hope to see you out. What have you been working on, Margaret? Oh well, <laughs> uh, I've been in. I think I. I feel like I say this. Every single time I'm in a new rehearsal process, but I am in what has been so far probably my like one of my favorite rehearsal processes ever. No way. Yeah, I'm like huh, I've been really happy, and um, it's with this show. Um, it's with the Sound Theater Company, uh-huh. and it's called Red Bull at the Jeffs, and it's a brand new contemporary play. And we're in our third weekend. We actually close next weekend, mm. um, but it's been so fun, and it's a brand new work. So the whole time we were kind of like workshopping it every week new pages um it's a new company for me to work with so that's been really cool just to get to know everyone um and yeah it's it's essentially it's about a theater company that makes it to the jeff awards oh how interesting yeah it's uh (laughs) beth highland this playwright is just she's she's incredible like i saw a reading of hers that commission did last year called clearing Mm -hmm. and i don't know there was just something in me that was like i will work with her one day like i I just i know i will work with her one day what is it about her work that speaks to you specifically she just knows how to write for women. Oh, she good. just knows how to write for women, and like not. And it, it's not about making them likable or sure. um, having to fulfill any sort of just like um, what we don't see enough of. It's just about writing women in general. Ooh, just knocked over the dinkles pad. He <laughs> knocked um, over the donuts. I'm so sorry. No, and um, I don't know. It's just been so awesome, and it's a it's a mostly female identifying um, production team in general, like mostly mm. women in the cast, but also like. Our stage manager, our assistant stage manager, our production manager, our um, lighting designer, our scenic designer, our costume designer, yeah. um, our director, Rebecca Willingham, who is just amazing to work with. <laughs> um, I feel really lucky, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How does that feel? Like, like, what does that do for you when you're, like, sort of surrounded by all that energy? It just feels like, well, everyone is just so excited to be there all the time. Yeah. There's no, like, this is just part of my job now, like... Everyone is just really excited to be there. And I think a lot of it has to do with, yes, the people, but also the material that we get to get to present. There's something about that, I think, the story, in, in a, the story itself, yeah. that people, I think, are just in general really excited to tell. So, yeah, it's just been, it's been really fun. And I yeah, so we play at the Frontier <laughs> Fridays and Saturdays. Um, 8 p.m. It's 75 minutes long. $10 tickets. We close next weekend. Oh, you close next weekend, so, yeah, so the, get in there the uh, quick. The 21st is their last night. But, um, I'm going tonight, and I'm very excited. Yeah. I don't think... I think the last time I saw you perform, it must have been when we were both in uh, Macbeth. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was with Griffin a lot, which has been, you know, they were so great to me as well, but that was all touring. So this sure. is my first show that I've done in Chicago in a, in a long time. Excellent. So, yeah, it's been really fun. I actually, um, after one of our rehearsals, I ran into, I was at Burke's, actually one of our shows last weekend, um, I ran into Elizabeth Renfro, who was okay. playing our Richard in this production, and Emily Demko, who's playing Lady Anne. I also Absolutely. ran into her this morning at the Bongo Room. The Bongo um, Room. But I'm not familiar with the Bongo Room. You're not? No. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? It's yeah. at, like, Clark and Winnemac, uh-huh. Vegetarian Croissant Sandwich. Okay. Oh. Um, but Emily was Rosalind in As You Like It a couple Absolutely. summers back. And now she's playing Lady Anne in this production of oh, Richard cool. III. It sounds great. I'm so excited for them. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be 
absolutely dope. I mean, you're talking about when we were talking about Red Bull. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Yeah, no um, You were talking about there was the, the rehearsal process. Mm-hmm. There was like, was there devising going on in that process? Yeah. Or is so, it, um, is it, how, how new is the script that you're Oh, it's brand about? new. Oh, cool. It's brand new. So it started off, I want to say, I may be getting this story wrong, but mm. it started off as like a, like a 10 page, either that or a one act that... Beth was just like, because they're all, like, uh, the sound was created by essentially Rebecca Willingham and Beth Highland, and they are two women that did that, uh, did a program together at the Eugene O'Neill Center. Okay. And became best friends from this process of working together, and so when they both graduated, created this theater company where Rebecca directs and Beth writes. And so this is their second production, no, their third production. They did a production of Seagulls, which was an adaptation of um, The Seagull mm. by Anton Chekhov. And it was a musical, I want to say. Then last... Oh, how cool. Yeah. Then two years ago, they did a show called For Annie that Beth wrote. And now Red Bull is their third show. That Red Bull. Bull. This was a discussion um, Not earlier. Not the energy drink. <laughs> the bowl. Uh, Margaret's like, oh, we can talk about Red Bull. I was like, well, I have nothing to say about Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> I just think we should have... You know, a whole podcast. On <laughs> the only thing so. I have to say about Red Bull is it almost killed me working an inventory shift at Macy's. Oh my god! Because that was my god. sole method oh of staying god. awake. That is so reckless. <laughs> I was reckless. Yeah. It was it was a dark time in my life. <laughs> that sounds so dark. No, Red Bull, like cere- like a, you eat cereal on yes, a bowl. Yes, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yes. So working from a new script as someone that is um very classically trained. Yeah. What is I guess the the difference in your preparation? Between working from text oh, that requires like a lot of studying to working with like something that's more contemporary. It's just you have to be you know, I actually think that I wish I could synthesize more of the pro- the two processes together. In in terms of just like when you're getting when you're given new pages every couple of days, or for me, because I'm I'm the smallest role in the show, so for me it was like I'd get pages maybe every other week. You really have to, um, you have to play, you have to, you have to be willing to be flexible. Yeah. And you have to give up your choice, you know, be willing to, like, let go of choices that you made in the past. And if you, like, really loved them, you'd be like, <laughs> I think I'm hilarious. Well, that could be challenging. It's super challenging. Yeah. But I, there's something about that flexibility and that being willing to adapt that I wish I could pick up more in, like, my own Shakespeare work. Do Just, you find like, that they inform each other, that your work um, doing more modern contemporary pieces absolutely. is informed by, yeah. I think if somebody can do Shakespeare I've always told was told by my professors and it's now working in more contemporary works that I do feel this is true that like if you can do Shakespeare you can do anything Mm. and I think a lot of it has to do with paying attention to the punctuation the line breaks um, the yeah the, the rhyme and meter I think all of that actually plays a huge role in contemporary work especially someone like Beth who writes so contemporarily. Um, but paying attention to your commas and paying attention to um, the ums and the likes and the o- the OMGs. Like why? That's the stuff that is always like hard for me. Especially when it comes to memorizing when there's like the ums oh, and the ums. Oh, so hard to memorize. Yeah. Yeah, I think like as far as the process goes, this one specifically has made me much more loose, I would say, having to be more adaptable. And I'm gonna take that into my classical work for sure just being willing to like change choices and stuff (laughs) even if the text doesn't change in a classical work um so you got another week of red bull what's up next for you 
Next, I'm working on Beth's next play, actually. Okay. She's doing Clearing, which is the reading that I saw last year with Commission, and that's being produced by Commission. We're going to be performing at Rivendell, and I'm understudying it. So, um, your, so your premonition has very much come true if you're going to work with this person. Yeah. Where does that third eye come from? I don't know. <laughs> Have you had this all your life? I think I'm a stalker. <laughs> you heard it here, I folks. am. I just, like, I hear people's names. <laughs> I get used to their... I, I, I listen... I don't know. I just pay attention. And then, you know, when that casting submission popped up, I was like, oh, Beth Highland. Oh, <laughs> This is, this is, I'm going to be in this play. <laughs> That's remarkable. You know, because yeah. it's funny, because yesterday I actually had my first psychic reading. You did? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Why have you let strange. me talk for this song? I want to hear about your psychic reading. Well, I don't really have that much, it was a very strange thing, because um, I have a, a buddy of mine who I've worked with um, in shows before is an online psychic. Um, yeah, which is, like, super interesting. That is so interesting. Um, so we were out for dinner, I was, like, very curious, I was, like, you know, give me a reading. Here's, you know, talking about blockages in my, um chakra and things like I that. I knew you were going to say chakras. I knew it. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what it is, you know, and I, I don't know. I do so much yoga. That's like what we talk. I could, I could oh. talk about, literally, Julian, you've just opened a can of worms with me. <laughs> I could talk about this stuff for hours. Well, I don't know anything about it. There's, It's not my background at all. So it was interesting. You know, he was talking about like um, the color that my aura usually like sits at and like things like that. Um, it's, I don't know, it's, it's fascinating. So I think in, when it comes to our careers, we have to have a certain foresight into like where we see ourselves and also like yeah. what is achievable and attainable. Totally. Yeah, and I think you're someone that's like really clued into that. I am so goal oriented as a human. <laughs> I didn't really believe in the whole astrology stuff and then I was in the last year, I have to say I have and Capricorns, my sign, are sure. like <laughs> my way goal-oriented like I think it's more than goal-oriented I think I it's like you know when to say yes to the universe oh I hope so <laughs> oh gosh I'm gonna remember because I get so much anxiety yeah about, like what about like decision making in that way <laughs> I think we all do yes. I think we all do yeah. and I'm a Leo um oh. and he, <laughs> and everyone thinks that's very clear. Yeah. I don't I know very little about it but I'm like sure I think, I think I lions actually, are like, the coolest animal no. In the oh, uh, for sure to, to choose from Capricorns are like goats, right? What? <laughs> uh, but yeah, usually what I know about Leos is that they're like super outgoing. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's I think what it about. But, but I don't though, see myself as an outgoing person. I think you're like an outgoing introvert. Interesting. Like I think essentially to your core, you're introverted though. Yeah. But like you know how to be outgoing in social situations. I can turn it on and off. I totally. think. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, um, this is the second half of this is, of course, <laughs> our astrology corner, which is now going to be a running segment on uh, Summercast. Seriously. So, <laughs> if you uh, would like us to do your horoscopes, I would say that's we're pretty, not qualified. It's pretty relevant of us, though. But, yeah, I think so. I think we're. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I think we're both spiritual people. We should do a podcast <laughs> with like Shakespeare characters and who we think their signs, what like what we think their signs are. Oh, I wonder if there is anything like that out there. Yeah, or like, hey, if you are somebody that can do this with us yeah tweet at us because you can totally be on this podcast i would love that i would love to look into that or like maybe some of the mysticism in shakespeare because i think there's a ton of that too oh absolutely yeah okay so I that's mean, our research project just even the reliance <laughs> on like the sky in general in shakespeare's times well, sure. and like, there's so much there's yeah. so much like um celestial oh absolutely yeah <laughs> even like heaven versus hell even the way that like the stages were built were yeah. very oriented around all of that Look at us. We just came full circle. We don't ever do that. Well, sometimes. We like to think it does, but it's never as graceful as that just was. 
<laughs> it's it's um, season two of Summer Cats. We're bringing the grace. We're, we're being the mysticism. We're bringing the grace. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to take a short break. And we come back, we're going to hear a um, preview of The Richard Third coming up. Um, can we get those dates and times one more time, Margaret? Yes. It is April 23rd and April 30th. So those are both Monday nights, I believe. Right. At for free at Galway for free Arms. At Galway Arms Irish Bar and Restaurant, 2442 North Clark Street. And they're both at 7 p.m. Right. And this is Midsummer Flight presented as a co-producer with Unbound Theatre Company. And after that short preview we have coming up, we're going to sit down with um, director Christina Makowski. And we're going to talk about uh, this project, her life. We're going to talk about everything. Awesome. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. summer by this son of York, and all the clouds that lowered upon our house in the deep bosom of the ocean buried. Now are our brows bound with victorious wreaths, our bruised arms hung up for monuments, our stern alarms changed to merry meetings, our dreadful marches to delightful measures. Grim-visaged war hath smoothed his wrinkled front. And now, instead of mounting barbed steeds to fright the souls of fearful adversaries, he capers nimbly in a lady's chamber to the lascivious pleasing of a lute. But I that I'm not shaped for sportive tricks, nor made to court an amorous looking-glass, I that am rudely stamped, and want love's majesty to strut before a wanton ambling nymph, I that am curtailed of this fair proportion, cheated of feature by dissembling nature, deformed, unfinished, sent before my time into this breathing world, Scarce half made up, why I, in this weak piping time of peace, have no delight to pass away the time, unless to see my shadow in the sun and descant on mine own deformity. And therefore, since I cannot prove a lover to entertain these fair, well-spoken days, I am determined to prove a villain and hate the idle pleasures of these days. Plots have I laid, inductions dangerous, by drunken prophecies, libels, and dreams, to set my brother Clarence and the king in deadly hate, the one against the other. And if King Edward be as true and just as I am subtle, false, and treacherous, this day should Clarence closely be mewed up about a prophecy which says that G of Edward's heirs the murderer shall be. Ah, dive thoughts down to my soul. Hello, I'm sitting here with Christina McClowski. 
I did do it right. Oh, I well, just messed do it, it up one more time. Just McCloskey. Do it one more time. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we were just talking about the um, pronunciation of last names, mm-hmm. which is um, interesting for me because my last name is spelled S T R O O P. Uh-huh. So people say um, Stroop, uh, Julian Stroop. What is it? Stroop. Oh, no. <gasps> yeah, like... See, I've been pronouncing <laughs> your name wrong my whole life. There you go. There it is. I totally thought it was Stroop. Okay. I mean, but like, it, it should be. By, Stroke. like, American standard, but the, it's the Dutch. Where is the silent E? Oh, that yeah. makes total sense. So the, yeah. the Dutch pronunciation is strope, like uh, strope waffles, if you've ever partaken yes. in strope waffles. But I also call them stroop waffles. Stroop waffles. <laughs> so I've been pronouncing both wrong my whole life. That's fine. Okay. So I'm learning so much. This is great. Yes, this is our pronunciation podcast. Pronunciation uh, corner, which, I mean, like, <laughs> is linked, incidentally. Like, it we've is. had Very the same hard. amount of, like, worries and... Head bangings against uh, like figuring out how to pronounce last names in the show. So. Sure, and like Richard the Third, and we're here talking about Richard the Third. Yeah. Um, is the project you're working on? Mm-hmm. Um, with uh, Shakespeare Unbound. So it's called Unbound Theater Company. Unbound Theater Company. Uh, and so that you know, just that we don't put ourselves in a corner necessarily. <laughs> That's so, fair. It's very uh, fair. Yeah, it's a uh, it's very loosey goosey, but the main idea is that we are trying to like find and identify restrictions or areas that people have felt like they are being held back in some way and then just try to identify those different ways whether it's uh the way that they see theater being presented a lot of the time Mm, whether it's the way that they are being cast uh and or the way that they're being perceived on stage and then trying to analyze and then break open those so people are unbound uh and and, yeah yeah (laughs) and this is your guys' uh first project yes Awesome. You guys are doing an all-female reading of Richard III. Yeah, so we're trying to... So that was the... Uh, initially, when we started talking about casting, um, Elizabeth, we knew, would be... Mm. Elizabeth Renfro would be the... Would be Richard. Right. Um, and from the rest of that, you know, we were talking about why not... We've been exploring, like, past productions where there have been all-female productions of Shakespeare, right. and especially in contrast to, like, the more, like hardcore traditional style of going like the all men version of Shakespeare, which sure. is how it happened. Which is um, left off, less and, often, which is probably for the best. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> but like when it happens, it's like, oh, well, they're going old school. And it's like this huge big deal. And yeah. so um, I'm just curious of like if we're if we're comfortable with um, having, you know, this and, and holding up this. And there have been great, I'm sure, like sure. all male productions. Uh, but at the same time, like, why not flip it and then have, like, all-female? And then, of course, we get into a really fun discussion of, well, gender norms and the idea of gender is way different now yeah, than, absolutely. you know, 500 years ago or six, wherever we are now <laughs> in this space of time. And so uh, initially, you know, I was kind of asking myself, what kind of cast am I looking for? You know, we didn't mm. hold auditions. It was me reaching out to people that I've seen, and then I found that, just because, like, I want to work with someone doesn't mean that necessarily that they're female identifying. Sure. Um, so then I got into this thing of I want to celebrate the cast and the fact that they get to have opportunities that they might not normally have, you know, to play yeah. roles of a size or a certain type of character that they just haven't, it hasn't been made available to them. But I needed to let go of that need to, like, advertise, like, 
look, it's an all-femme, all-female, and then yeah. I went down this, like, really long rabbit hole of gender <laughs> identification and, like, what is femme versus what is not femme, and does femme inherently mean queer, and then, like, yeah. is that being represented in my cast? Is that in the story? And so then at a certain point, I was like, I need to let this go, and I need to just say it is Richard the Third. It's Richard it is III. It's Richard the Third, and I really love the cast. And yes! That's, and that's it. Let it stand like, on its own. It's, and exactly. Yeah. And the, I mean, in terms of, like, addressing gender, and the only thing that is, like, I guess up for discussion is in the text itself, we've changed Richard's, the character's gender. Mm. So okay. Richard is now, all the pronouns have been changed to she, uh, mm. instead of king, queen, etc. Sometimes it got a little wonky because of scansion, sure. you know, you have to get creative. <laughs> we have lots of, they say, in case you're wondering, in Shakespeare plays, they say my lord a lot. Oh, like, yeah. All the time. And of course, like, my lady, two syllables that messes up the whole thing. So yes. we have a heavily sprinkling of uh, lieges. There's a lot of oh. liege, there's a lot of uh, your grace. Yeah. Um, so... Just figuring that out has been has been fine, but in terms of like the people who are playing the characters, mm-hmm. uh, actually one of them, Gabby, mentioned something really great. Where uh, she mentioned, um, well, gender is performative anyway, so I don't think yeah. it's necessary for people to like us for, to like amplify what the sex or gender identification is of the people who are playing the role because Absolutely. it's about the character. It's so, character. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think that was a great point and I was like, okay, let, let's just drop the, so that's, that's the only reason I jump in and I'm like, it's not all female. Because, no, no, like, I like no. that. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, so, cause some of our guys, like they aren't necessarily like they're non-binary or they don't identify gotcha. that way. So yeah. Good. Very mm-hmm. nice. Um, what other sort of, uh, things are you guys looking to do with Unbound? Like sure. uh, what other sort of walls do you want to break down? Oh, that's really, yeah, that's great. Uh, something that I'm really interested in just in general, um, both as like on the more admin side of producing as well as of course like creatively is uh, different like abilities. Um, mm. Something I'm interested in is having like autism friendly performances yeah. or um, you know having uh, touch tours and having yeah. uh, interpreters or ASL interpreters there who are able to um red theater has been doing a lot of really great work yeah absolutely absolutely in terms of making it accessible for deaf deaf audiences and performers Mm. uh and so i think just it sometimes can feel a little overwhelming to be to say i want this show or this performance to be 100 percent accessible sure um because that's so many areas that you have to address but at the same time like i every time that i have to re-question an area that I haven't thought of, hmm. that's another opportunity for me to address or like make something accessible for a group that has been forgotten. I'm not perfect and I'm not going to be able to think about all of these areas and all of the different ways that people aren't able to access theater, whether it's seeing theater or performing. Right. Um, and so anytime that I can find a new area that I've forgotten about, it's another thing to keep in mind and we're not going to do it perfect all of the time, but even just trying to do it, yeah. I think is, is the general mission. Yeah. Um, Cause I think it's sort of sometimes can seem too big and it just scares people off completely. Exactly. Right. And, and I feel that too. I yeah. mean, and, and I'm a cisgendered, able-bodied white woman. So <laughs> like there's, I, I have to constantly check myself in terms of, you know, where that is going to have blinders. And so yeah. that's part of me trying to figure out, and I mean, Elizabeth is as well. Right. And so in terms of like growing the company, what, whatever that looks like, 
I think us consistently referencing back to that and also questioning what are groups that we're not thinking of. Yeah. Um, this originated out of uh, Elizabeth's like experiences and my experiences, um, both directing and performing. And so we only are, you know, it was born out of that perspective, but mm. the, I think the general goal is to keep making it, it's supposed to be unbound, you know, and it can't just be like for Elizabeth and I to do what we want to do. It's supposed right. we're trying to make it more accessible for everyone. So yeah. there's a lot of different layers. Um, but in terms of, and of course, like that's just on the uh, admin, I guess, side. Yeah. It, creatively, uh, it means making things, you know, maybe theater itself more accessible and, and less of a and many companies are already doing this, but yeah. similar to Bloody Bathory, like just kind of breaking down the barriers that are there of audience sits there and <laughs> we do <laughs> we do art over here. But there's like more than one way to interact with there's this like, thing. There's like, there's just more than more than one way to do theater and to create an experience for people where they don't feel like if they're not following the rules, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. And at the same time, like we have to create new rules so that everyone is safe in, in the production. As of course, like you experienced during Bloody Absolutely. Bathory. Yeah, um, yeah. We were talking about Bloody Bathory. That's yeah. a, a show we worked on uh, this past, remind me. February. February, mm -hmm. thank you. Yeah. Time has become I very know. complex. I know, I just realized that when I was referencing back and I was thinking, I should, I should need to email the cast and ask yeah. a couple of questions. And I went, no, it's been a couple months. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, and that was like this uh, full, we were talking about a little bit on this podcast before, this full immersive um, show about the uh, Countess Elizabeth Bathory and the murders she may or may not have committed. committed. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, yeah. very dark and twisted. Well, uh, when did you start working on that project? So, uh, gosh, where are we? We're in 2018. Yes. <laughs> I want to say about 2017, like at the beginning of the summer, oh, Okay. was when uh, Robin, who played Elizabeth Bathory, uh, she was originally involved with the creation. She partnered with Millie, the playwright, mm -hmm. and they knew that they wanted to make this happen. Robin actually led a workshop to further develop the script and the story, and they realized that they needed a producer. Yeah. And so Robin reached out to me because we'd worked together several times, and I, at first, was just thinking, I, I kept kind of hedging myself and saying, <laughs> I just, there's a lot, and I, and you know, and they were like, <laughs> we'll help you, like, there's other things, but... This is the first time I produced anything. Okay. Um, I, I technically kind of co-produced, you know, like Baby's first like self-production in the city. Sure. But even then, my roommate was the actual producer title. I was directing it. Um, so I didn't really have to worry a lot about money or fundraising or all of that like front of house stuff. Right. Um, but this time was like the, okay, this is you someone needs to be in charge of those things and yeah. that person is you so <laughs> that's a huge learning experience. yeah no it was it was great and I mean luckily I've stage managed in the past and that with my director knowledge with my front of house experience that I've also had just working at theater festivals and things like that led me to be able to usually ask the questions that needed to be asked and yeah. answered like where does the audience go when they first come in and <laughs> where do they put their coats and all of that kind of stuff so all important questions yeah, yeah. so it's it, the boring questions but it's just that like the thing that sets up the experience mm. so if i can just think about the the 
from the moment that they see the marketing materials right. that we have online, which I was also like trying to, to make <laughs> happen, um, from that moment of encountering the show to the moment that they step inside, there's just so many steps. Right, and you have to um, like, sort of curate that entire experience from yes. like, beginning to end. Yes, um, <laughs> and, and you know, a lot of it was learning from borrowing, you know, a lot of, I got a really great email um, from, from a show that I, I bought a ticket for and they sent me this email with a breakdown of where to park and how to get there and everything. And so I nice. went, that's awesome. I'm just yeah. going to copy paste that <laughs> and modify it to fit our show. And then that's what I sent out to everyone who bought a ticket to, so that they knew like, <laughs> this is how you get here. These are the restaurants nearby. And just thinking about like, what are the questions and if I can pre-answer them, then people don't have to reach out and, and ask me more. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were talking last episode with uh, Konami Jones, who's yep. another like director, producer mm-hmm. in town. Um, we was talking about how all of these sort of skills end up overlapping on each other oh, in lots of different ways. Yeah. And like you become almost stronger at doing the one thing because you have experience doing the other thing. You have all these different hats that you mm-hmm. layer on top of each other. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what kind of director I would be. And to be fair, like sometimes they can be at war with each other a little bit. Oh, you know, okay. um, sometimes as a director, especially having stage managed and produced, I have to let go of the reins of figuring out certain like <laughs> admin things or producer sure. things and just if you know this is not my job my job is to focus on like the story being told and how that like I am the only person who is in charge of this so I need to let all the other things go you to have to like keep else. adjusting your focus yeah. to like what yeah and as someone who likes like solving problems and like knowing the answers to questions that's very hard for like me to let go of um, but that's that's my cost to bear. That's yeah, figuring figuring when, out how to live that way. Where did that start for you? This like becoming a problem solver, becoming someone that like takes on all these different projects for oh, the gosh. first time. Um, more than likely, high school. Uh, you know, I was I was a total cliche high school theater kid. Oh, of course, real we hard, <laughs> hardcore, hardcore. And I mean, part of that experience that the uh, the director of that program was making sure that we all had to the most part was figuring out how to do most things I mean and also when you're we didn't have a lot of resources so we had to learn how to operate power drill and (laughs) take apart a set and I mean my nightmare now is thinking about a bunch of teenagers and power drills but (laughs) at the same time like I was one of them and I was having a grand old time we built all of our own sets we painted like I remember staying there super late painting like bricks onto this giant like (laughs) flat to have in the background is there Um, anything more terrifying to think about a bunch of teenagers striking a set and just oh, the it absolute is just <laughs> madness. And, and there's a there's a there's a primal glee that is I yes. think still very present no matter what age you are of destroying the thing that you spent hours making. Yes. It is so fun, and that's the thing is uh, when you when you're in that you know that space where basically your job is every job. It's less like defined than now. You know, actors are usually, depending on the company, like aren't expected to be at strike. Sure. But at, in this situation, it's like, all right, everyone get in and destroy it, and just <laughs> just go go crazy. Um, so that that in that realm, we were expected to wear many hats. I yeah. there was a production that, of Midsummer Night's Dream that we did that was just hacked to bits, just <laughs> a total bastardization of the text. Uh, and we, my uh, best friend at the time, and still best friend actually. Uh, uh, we designed the costumes and m- m- 
us and my mother made all of the costumes for oh the show goodness. and did the makeup design. And also, she was assistant directing and I was in it. I was playing Helena. That's wild. Um, <laughs> and because, you know, you just don't know how to say no when you're right. like trying to do everything. Some of us are still working on them. <laughs> I am too. Yes. I am too. It's, when you're really excited, it's hard to, to kind of draw that line. But at the same time, like you're learning so much from it mm. by taking on all these different roles. How do you know that, though? How do you know when you have taken on too much? Have you found that limit yet? Uh, I mean, in general, um, in terms of, like, the number of projects I'm working on at a time, I'm starting to feel a bit more like I'm getting my bearing yeah. of what is actually too much. And a lot of that is figuring out how to ask for help. It's oh, yeah. really hard to, uh, especially, again, for someone who likes to have all the answers to sure. the questions. <laughs> um, but even recently, when we were starting to get ready to, like, set up, get me, I was reaching out to the actors and getting everyone gathered for Richard Third. I definitely realized, I was like, why am I trying to do all this stuff? And so I definitely <laughs> reached out to Elizabeth and was like, can you do all, like, can you take a look at the website? Can you clean it up a little? Sure. Can you handle, like, the social media? And she's been awesome about jumping in and, like, she made a whole schedule and just trusting your team and trusting who you're working with and asking them for help is like learning how to do that has been a hundred like that has been a huge revelation no that is huge yeah Uh, because you just want so much of the time to feel to look strong or to look impressive or to look like oh she's so capable or they're so capable (laughs) they know how to do all these things and they do it without breaking a sweat but that is a lie. That is that yeah. is not a thing that exists. Because <laughs> it, it sets you up, too. Because when you have all that stuff on your shoulders, when it all comes crashing down, it's just you. It's just you. And, <laughs> it's like, well. and, and also, like you should, you're not going to be able to do your best work Absolutely. if you are secretly panicking all of the time <laughs> and you constantly feel behind or overwhelmed. So being able to reach out and to say, I need help from people is... is it it's it that's it's the solution to the problem <laughs> what do you look for when you're making that team of people that you can like really rely mm. on ah uh, gosh that's a great question <laughs> I, I mean it depends on it depends on the role it depends on sure. uh and and a lot of the time you know some something that's been great about working here is that i meet a lot of people and you just have to kind of go off a of gut feeling and yeah. a leap of faith of I have a really good vibe from you, and so I'm just going to trust that like you're there and you're ready to do what needs to be done. Uh, and whether that's hiring for a design role, and you know, and for a stage manager role, especially that one, that's so it's so huge. huge. Yeah. It's an, it's enormous. Uh, and usually, it's friend recommendations like coming yeah. through, and it's just if you have collaborators here who you trust, then not only do you want to hire them, but anyone they recommend you're 10 times more likely to hire because you trust their opinion of other people that they work with. And so like learning how to build that network has been, I think the most important work that I've been doing here. And I mean, that's in reference for like both asking for actors for, for shows or (laughs) looking for references for designers, looking for references for stage managers. If I can get one like solid director or actor's opinion and I'm constantly looking for those of like I you know doing that late night text of like have you worked with so and so and if yeah. so what was it like <laughs> that's important yeah um and just you know and not trying to lead or say I'm worried about them and just see like what is your baseline response like what is just the first thing you think of when you think of working with that person yeah. and if it's something great like uh <laughs> I I mean I did that I did that for um my job actually like my day job oh which is um, what 
so I'm a, I'm a, gosh, what, I, what do I do? I'm <laughs> a recruiting and onboarding coordinator uh, okay. at Jelly Vision. Jelly Vision. Which, fun fact, is the same company that Beth Wolf's husband works at. It's the smallest world. It is the smallest world. <laughs> and let's, let's tie it all together even more. Okay. <laughs> so we, uh, we're looking for basically the other recruiting and onboarding coordinator, like the person mm-hmm. who is like the partner to my role. And... Uh, someone applied and I naturally decided to stalk their Facebook because their name sounded familiar. (laughs) FYI, if you're applying for jobs, everyone does this. Yes, Uh, absolutely. And what comes up in their cover page but Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer Flight. Okay. And I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Worlds collide. Yeah. Brian Scannell. Brian Scannell. Who played Romeo. Oh. My heart just exploded. Yes. He (laughs) played Romeo in the Summer Flights production, and he applied for a jelly vision. Yes. And I, you bet I texted Beth Wolf, and I said, hey, so real life, and she just exploded my phone. Just, he's yes. so wonderful. He's so great. All of this oh, great he's a feedback. He's and so like, and, you know, and he does. So he works there now. And so we're That's like, so we're partners in crime. Uh, and it's, it's great. You know, it's great. And so just like seeing how that applies, like, of course, not only in this small, small world to theater jobs, but it just applies everywhere. <laughs> we have to tell him when we see him that he still owes me, um, he said he was going to play D&D with me. So I'm <gasps> still waiting on that. He is deep in that D&D game. He is <laughs> running his own <laughs> campaign. And let me tell you, he is about it. He was also talking about doing a, like a, like a one-off, like a one weekend, okay. um, like Romanoff themed what like campaign so i love that he promised me that i could be in it so okay well then i'll see you there (laughs) fantastic what um so DD is how i sort of like get out of my theater brain for a while Uh, because sometimes that's like every night if you're not like doing your day job you're at some theater somewhere Mm -hmm. doing something Mm -hmm. what do you do to escape Or do you escape? <laughs> oh, you know what it is? It's it's food. Oh yes. It's, it's cooking and food. Absolutely. I I am like a go go deep in that internet looking at <laughs> recipes. And I took in college, this is part of the reason I liked having like a general uh, Bachelor of Arts instead of a specified Bachelor of Fine Arts because I was able to take all these other classes that had nothing to do with theater. Yes, I and love I, that. Yeah. I took an anthropology of food. That sounds so interesting. And it completely changed my the way of thinking, the way that I view food. I did a uh, final, my final research paper was about the uh, aggression that naturally occurs within people when they hear that someone else is a vegetarian. And the, <laughs> like, the, the primal, like, hatred that comes up. Yeah, And I, I witnessed it. I witnessed it in, like, the most bizarre, like, I told a friend of mine, I'm thinking about going vegan, and she started yelling at me, cheese is American, and I was just so surprised because it was such a strong reaction. Yeah. And so basically, like, this could be a whole other podcast, but the short-term idea is that when we eat food together, Mm -hmm. um, if it's communal, we are eating food, and that food goes, if we're eating the same food, it goes into our bodies, and that energy that we get from that food that we shared is creating the same type of cells. Okay. So in theory, if we are eating the same food, we are physically becoming more alike. 
because oh we are getting the same nutrients here, creating the same kind of energy. So our bodies are actually like becoming more similar. Huh. So when you are having that like hearth, like sharing dinner table situation and someone says, no, I'm not going to eat that. I'm having something else. Yeah. They have just, they have separated themselves from like the communal <laughs> eating. And so immediately you're like, why aren't you eating it? Are you judging me for eating it? Blah, blah, blah. And it, becomes this huge defensive like vitriol it just comes out of your mouth of like you're other get out and so that's fascinating yeah so that kind of like food theory reading all kinds of weird articles about like i went down a whole aquafaba like aquafaba okay so (laughs) there's like i think i'm so i'm vegetarian and i i know right well and even then like i say it but then sometimes they eat fish and so people go so you're pescatarian and i'm like all right yes sure but some people when i say that they're like what kind of church do you go to so like i don't know sometimes i don't use it uh so no, Aquafaba. Aqua okay, yes. so um, this is a hot thing in vegan cooking, okay. which I'm interested in because there's a lot of like creativity of having to come up with how to replace so many like animal-based things, sure. and so it's almost like a science experiment. <laughs> I um, like that. Yeah. So if you take like a, ch- a can of chickpeas, okay. you know how normally like you rinse and then you just pour everything down yeah. the drain. So that what you're pouring down the drain is magic. And you have wasted it. So oh. if you take the, and it sounds like. Just like the juice. It sounds awful, right? Yeah. Like if I tell you, like, save your bean juice, you're not like, <laughs> great. I definitely want to eat that later. But there's this crazy witchcraft that happens where you pour, like, the, literally the, the thick, that viscous, like, stuff from yeah, the yeah. can of chickpeas. You put it in its own thing, and you can use that, and it beats, like, egg whites. So huh. you can make vegan meringues out of it. You can make vegan mayo out of it. You can use it as substitution for eggs all of the time. Does it Does it taste good? It doesn't taste like anything. It tot- so It adopts whatever flavors that you put into it. Uh, so if yeah. you... I've made a vegan mayo, like, using it. Yeah. You have to, like, immersion blend it for forever. These are the things that I do and think about that gets <laughs> me out of my theater so mind. so interesting, though? I'm so interested in it. In terms of, like, the cultural connotations, in terms of the, the like, health and what that word even means and the way that mm. you can like there there's people at my work and people that I've spoken with who have cured their bodies of like pre-existing ailments using food so when they've like so many doctors have said such and such and to be fair like I'm not saying don't go to the doctor don't take medicine <laughs> please do but there's just so many ways that you can you know using like whether you have an autoimmune disease like people use diet to cure themselves to yeah. figure out like what kind of foods are causing flare-ups and that just takes me back to some kind of old school like connection to the earth and to nature and to your body like <laughs> very very yeah. like woo woo but it's also fun and and it, it's all it gives you a feeling of having control over your health or your body yeah. um which sometimes it feels like you don't have control over it so absolutely yeah and, and that's i think that's your next project that i have for you mm-hmm. um you know you're doing this uh read through of um richard III. yes so you had to find a way to bring the food into that well so you have to find <laughs> the original like old english i know i i have oh julian i have thought about this yes many a time. i've thought about a night of 
basically doing like alley staging, having yeah. a long table on either side and doing only the food related scenes in Shakespeare and doing like yes. full courses. I'm just waiting till I get that, you know, like that Tony money, that Tony <laughs> award money. And, and I'm it's in it. Soon. It's I'm soon. ready. I mean, and what do we call it? It's um dinner with the bard or no, 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 no. Um, uh, there's something there. There's a joke. <laughs> there is a pun available, but I don't know what it is yet. Yes. But I will come back to it. And if you if you have one, tweet it to us. Mm-hmm. Just know that we are, are retaining all rights here. I will t- take it, and I will not credit you <laughs> at all. Uh, you can come to the show for a discounted rate. There we go. That's the reward. What are you uh, most looking forward to for this uh, project, Richard the Third, coming up on um. The April 23rd and 30th. At uh, Galway... Galway Arms. Arms. Irish yes. pub. Yeah, which is a lovely pub in um, the... Uh, l- right by uh, Lincoln Park Zoo. Yep. Right in that neighborhood. Yeah, it's off Clark. Yeah, Clark yeah. Street, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just really excited. And, of course, you know, stage readings are, have their own kind of challenges and yes. <laughs> like and like conceits right so when you think of the stage reading a lot of the time and to be fair this is a method that works and I've done and director chose this way of you have you're in a black box and you have a line of music stands mm. and when people are in a scene they stand up and they oh, yes. read their lines and when they're not <laughs> they sit down uh and I- I've directed several stage readings like many stage readings it's kind of like a beginning director's bread and butter oh, sure. uh so and I still find myself having the same questions over and over of how do I fix this problem? How do I depict yeah. this? Because it's not a full blocking and you don't want it to turn into you're secretly blocking the whole show. <laughs> and I'm trying very hard not to make it's it that way. It's difficult sometimes to resist. <clears throat> it's tempting. It's yeah. tempting because you want it to be, there's so many things that just don't come across in mm. text. And I mean, even with Shakespeare, you know, and sometimes especially with Shakespeare, so much of the story can be conveyed without using the text itself, sure. especially after, like, we have a cut-down version. Yeah. So there are things that are technically missing and things that I've thought about, oh, this is how I would depict it in a production production, but this is not that, so right. what's my shortcut? <laughs> uh, so I think what I'm looking forward to most is having just a lot of people pack in there. That second floor space uh, at Galway Arms is really, really cozy. I've never been up there, so I'm oh, it's, to it's, see it. it's awesome. Uh, I work with Dandelion Theatre. I'm an uh, associate artist there, and nice. we have uh, the Make Ready uh, series there. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so we do basically, like, short excerpts of new plays and we do it's a reading you know it, and it's a cold reading so yeah. actors get there and we just cast them oh, and then fun. they read um <laughs> and and the thing that's nice about uh Galway is that there are a bunch of tables around it's not just here chairs mm. so and there is a wonderful wait staff who are so patient <laughs> and so 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 kind that's so awesome. when you come please order from them and then tip them generously please do. uh and we're actually going to have a bartender there's like an upstairs like little bar area oh, just nice. for the second second floor so they're gonna someone's gonna be there as well so people are going to be eating and drinking and that's exactly what I want I want people to order food I want yeah. people to order drinks and or not order drinks that's also fine yeah. and to uh really and I think you know some more still about the configurations of tables and chairs and yeah. how to make it so that people can hear and see uh nice. but just feeling like having that feeling of a packed room so 
please pack it and by coming. Uh, and having people who are just very, very good with words and with Shakespeare yeah. have a reading and to get that reaction, to get the laughs, to get the quiet and to feel that like vibe of a, of a warm room packed with people eating and drinking and sharing and listening yeah, to like a, a like fellowship beautiful, moment. exactly, yeah. like to do these fellowship of the rings. Um, <laughs> yes. um, to really like have that to feel the audience there with you and not to ignore them because it's mm. impossible. Like that space is so unusually shaped and packed yeah. that especially if it's full, like you can't ignore that the audience is there and I don't want to. Yeah. That's so much of what you were just talking about with Unbound is breaking down those barriers and mm-hmm. figuring out new ways to sort of experience the audience <laughs> and the audience to experience the show. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the good news is we have a lot of people in the cast who are Especially, I mean, Elizabeth she does not care about walls. And so someone oh, no. asked me, are we doing a fourth wall? And I was like, we're not doing a single wall. The walls are gone. If you, Please pay that. attention to the audience because otherwise we're just doing this for ourselves. Yeah. So, you know, and don't distract from scenes or what have you. Well, sure. But yeah. have fun. Like, there's people. There's, there's flesh and blood people around you. So you can interact with them and you can have asides to them and make little jokes and things like that. Like, that's awesome. Those are the things that when people leave, they might say, yes, it was a great reading. But the thing that they remember is when someone made a connection with them. That moment that they yeah. get to share. Yeah. Eye contact is Absolutely. so helpful. <laughs> like, or just like having, yeah, like that human connection moment, even if it wasn't even a line from the show. Like, what if someone was just riffing and improving a little joke? Like, that's what they're going to remember. That was so cool when... You know, we yeah. had this, like, totally unplanned. I still unplanned. remember, I yeah. saw a production of Twelfth Night. This was years ago. Yeah. I couldn't tell you so <laughs> many things about this show. I couldn't Great. tell you. But uh-huh. I will always remember the actress that played Olivia and I, like, sort of shared a laugh. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. she laughed about something and she looked at me and then I laughed with her. And we were both just like, it was just us. Yeah. We were just laughing. And I was like, what just happened? And then the show kept going. I was like... That was magic. Yeah. Like, that was amazing. And that's, and that's live theater. And that's, yeah. that's what I am, exactly, like, those kind of moments are what I find so intriguing about live theater. Like, not only for, like, the connection with the audience. For so long, I felt like my, my perspective was only about being in the show. Mm. Until I became a director, I was, a perf- I was an actor. So I was only thinking about, like, the magic for me was the family bond that was created yeah. within the show. But stepping out and, be- and thinking in a more, like, outward, like, director's mind, I'm an audience surrogate, basically. Mm. Most of the time, I'm working with people who I don't have to give a lot of guidance or a lot of notes because <laughs> they know what they're doing, and sure. and those are the people I trust. And I want to, I and obviously, like I want to see how they shape the story. So my role in that case is just to be, look, I'm just an audience surrogate. I'm the person who is watching the show, and this is the impression that I'm getting. And if that's not what we agreed on, then we need to figure out. What? How are we going to shape that impression, or how are we going to shape the story that we want to tell together? Yeah, um, I love that way of thinking about it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> thank you Thanks. so much Thanks. for sitting down. With yeah, me. you guys, please, please, please go check out Richard mm-hmm. Third Galway Arms, April twenty third yes. and thirtieth. And thirtieth, so they're both Monday nights at okay. seven o'clock. Yes, come check it out on. Um, Tip your, your wait staff and your bar staff. Generously. Get some food. Enjoy the performances. Yeah, it's going to be amazing, and we're all looking forward to it. Thank you. Christina McCluskey, thank you for sitting down. Thank you, Julian. <laughs> Throat. Yes. <laughs> and we're back. Ugh.
Thank you, Elizabeth Renfro, and thank you, Christina McCloskey, for joining us today. That was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and just a fun reminder, just to let you all know once again that our uh, stage reading of Richard III as a co-production with Unbound Theater Company is happening on April 23rd and April 30th at 7 p.m. at the Galway Arms Irish Bar and Restaurant at 2442 North Clark Street. Yes, so please make it out there, and thank you all for listening. If you want to stay up to date, with Midsummer Flight and all of our goings on, head on over to our website, midsummerflight.com, yes. or follow us on Twitter at Midsummer Flight. Um, please also subscribe to us on iTunes yes. or wherever you get your podcasting on. Also, if you have like it in your heart to rate and review, yes, that is a do. huge help to us. And we also, are to just like will make me feel up. less dorky since I'm pretty sure my mom is like one of our few reviews on there. <laughs> did she really leave a review? I don't know. She told me she did, but whether or not like the technology oh, was successful, did... I want to read that. I know. Well, <laughs> It, be like Margaret's mother, like please leave us mom. a review. Let me freeload off of you and rate our podcast. Please. please. You know, because I, I actually sent my mother, because um, I had been talking to her about the podcast, yeah. and she was like, well, how come I never get to listen to it? And this was over on Easter break. Aww. And I was like, I guess you can. So I just like emailed her the link. I have heard nothing. That's awesome. I actually, <laughs> sorry, I know this is a wrap this up. My friend Danny came up to me at a party like two weeks ago and was like, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. No way. And it's like my theater, not my theater group. It's like my high school friends. And then it's like How do you an make you feel of... when you hear that? Because I hear that sometimes too. I'm just like, oh, really? Yeah. No, it's exciting. I feel like it's exciting, but I'm also just famous. like, oh. But then like every Chicago sounding vowel that I make in my voice like immediately pops up. And I think like, <laughs> you spent so much time listening to the Chicago accent, like, bless your soul. Oh, what a Chicago accent. It is. Yeah, what a Chicago accent it is. <laughs> well, thank you, Margaret, for joining me again for this of episode. Um, we are going to be back at you next month with something fresh and new and Shakespeare y. Until then, good in Chicago. Good in world. We are Midsummer Flight, and this was Summercast. That's all what I'll be in.